Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast on Germany. I am Jacob, and this is episode 5. What's in the bog? What's in the bog? Halloween special. So, are you guys ready for a spooky Halloween? Anyone going to be dressing up for it? Let us know on the Facebook page if you are, and share a picture if you're doing something uniquely historical. Now, before we begin, I'd like to take a minute and just talk about something I want to do in November. So for November, I have a challenge for the podcast on Germany, for you, my listeners. I want to make November a recruitment month. I'm going to do a recruitment month twice a year, so every half year, I really want to boost the podcast on Germany. And my goal is to reach at least 80 followers and listeners to the podcast by the end of the month. I know, I know, that seems like a tall order, but we can do it. What I need from you guys is to share this page on Facebook. Talk to your friends who would be interested in this podcast. Inform fellow history lovers of the journey that we are just beginning. For the next 30 days, starting November of course, I want you to promote the podcast and let's see what we can get. Now, some of you might balk and think, why in the world should I promote this podcast Just remember, this is a completely free podcast. I'm not making money by having anyone subscribe. I just want to see this podcast expand. I want to see our family grow. And if you don't think your friends would enjoy it, you'd be surprised. For instance, I had one of my friends share the podcast after I agreed to help him with something. And instantly, two people were interested in the podcast. One share got two people to listen in. That is an amazing ratio. And if everyone shared and spread the word, think of how large we could get if we maintain that one share equal two new listeners. So for the next month, go out there, share the podcast, and let's see how our little community can grow. Now, there is an award that I'm going to offer. When you have your friends follow or start listening to the podcast, have them message me on the Facebook page or have them email me at podcastsongermany at gmail.com and have them put in that email or in the Facebook message who told them about this podcast. I will give that person a point and at the end of the month, whoever has the most points will get to choose one podcast, any subject they want to hear about. It can be anything in history. It can be on anything you want. It doesn't have to be with Germany. It could be on America. We could talk about immigration here. We could talk about women's rights here. It can be on anything you want. That is what the winner gets. And of course, their name wildly trumpeted by the podcast on Germany. So just when you get people to listen in, have them Facebook message me or email me. Have them mention your name so that way I know you are the one who sent them here to listen to our little show. And if you are one of those people who joined during this month, don't feel like you can't compete either. You can. So once you have joined, you can start promoting and you can start getting people to listen and you'll have a shot to get the podcast of your choice. So that's what I want to do with this month of November. We got five episodes out before the month starts. It will be a nice tasting for everyone. I'm getting it out onto multiple platforms for people to listen to. Um, I'm really excited about this. I'm hoping this will work out great. So let's see how we do by the end of the month. One other thing I would like to talk to you guys about before we start is that there's a new podcast run by a few fellow history grads from Texas Tech. It's called 
we would have burned. It's a podcast where two historians battle it out on topics involving true crime, the paranormal, the occult, horror, and everything else altogether strange or unsettling. Each week, Samantha and Courtney test their limits, both as researchers and as lovers of all things creepy. So, if you guys are interested, go over to their Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash wewouldhaveburned. Tell them Podcast on Germany sent you. And then every week, listen in and determine who wins as these two friends find the stories that show the darkest and creepiest corners of the human mind. Listen to this clip of what you could expect from their podcast. What was your favorite urban legend as a kid? Okay, what so... was, like, the one you're obsessed with? Well, yeah, so both of my favorites are going to feature, because one of them is true and one of them is not, thankfully. Uh, I think the one that really messed me up the most was the liquor. <laughs> but it was really about this girl who uh, comes home at night and uh, she hears something in the middle of the night after she's fallen asleep for a couple of hours, leans over to, like, check on her dog, and the dog licks her hands, so she's like, oh, whatever, must have been it, like, going up and, like, walking around, as dogs are known to do in the middle of the night, goes to sleep. The next morning, she wakes up and finds her dead dog in her bathtub, and written in blood, it says, um, dogs aren't the only things that lick fingers uh, or humans can lick too yes uh, that really uh, messed me up okay so when i my cousin is like the spooky one in the family she's yes. the person who turned me on to a lot of the spooky stuff i like now and she gave me like a copy of short stories like a little like 50 page type like leaflet and is it had the that one with the creepy drawings the creepy drawings um the Probably. scary stories to yes. tell at night? Yes! That legitimately has been discussed with my therapist. <laughs> Those t- pictures are so terrifying. <laughs> Sorry, go into your leaflet. I hope it didn't have those pictures in it. No, no, wait. Are you talking about, because I don't know if we've ever talked about this off the podcast. This same cousin also did write in her journal, like, those scary stories to tell in the dark, and she drew her own artwork to go with it. What? I mean, she was, I got, like, no judgment. She's like 11. That's a, that's a weird age no, for all of us, especially if yeah, you're in the spook. I mean, you're like, let I me guess. just keep a personal <laughs> archive of scary stories that I enjoy. I still keep an eye on her. Because um, I remember... There was that story, um, the toe, you know, where the oh, person like finds the little yeah. toe. Anyway, yes. this was a, just a different horror anthology that she gave to me. She's like, these were scary. I liked them. Now, I was probably in this story about nine or ten. She gave mm-hmm. it to me. I read that story. It was the middle of the day. It was 4 p.m. on a Friday or something. <laughs> I come to my mom, like tears streaming down my face. I'm like, mom, this book is of the devil. <laughs> like, <laughs> I read this story, Mom, and it scared me, and it, it's harming my heart. This is going to be our new hashtag for this, uh, like, podcast. Hashtag Samantha Praise. <laughs> like, every, my whole childhood was just me being scared and praying about it. Because I made my mom, oh. I made my mom rip it up and, like, take it to my dad's grill and light it on fire and burn it in front of me. And as it burned, she, thorough. like, laid hands on me and was like, God be with Samantha. <laughs> like. Oh my God. Jesus, please heal her heart. 
I, I thought my mom was like super metal for telling us like Bible stories that were like super intense. Like she didn't give us like the precious moments Bible stories. She gave us like Jezebel yes. getting eaten by wild dogs. <laughs> if you enjoyed the clip, go over to the Facebook page, tell them hi, and start following along. If you catch anyone over there looking for any history podcasts, send them our way. All right, so next on the order of business, we need to talk about last week's mistake. Let's see how well you guys did. Well, the answer is Bilbo Baggins. There and back again. Don't remember that? It's okay. It was one of the sources I threw out discussing Pythias's fantastic adventure into the Baltic. I slipped Bilbo into the sources as it was a perfect hiding spot. How many of you took the time to sit down and check out the sources that I mentioned. Not many. If there are mistakes, the sources are one of the worst areas because the writer could accidentally quote the wrong source, put down the wrong source, or completely botch the source material and not give you the correct information to use. This is why it is so important to check the work of the writer, of the podcast, or whoever you're getting your information from. You want to make sure that they are giving you the information that you need. Bilbo Baggins and his book, There and Back Again, is not from this world. He is from the Shire of Middle-earth. Not medieval times, Middle-earth. Bilbo is from the world of Tolkien's Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Bilbo Baggins is the hero of The Hobbit book and is writing his version of The Hobbit book in the Lord of the Rings trilogy as his nephew, Frodo, is having to fix his uncle's mistake of stealing from a crazy riddle creature of the mountains. Bilbo's name for his story is There and Back Again, A Hobbit's Tale. And while Pythias may have written down fighting dragons, helping dwarves, and escaping from wood elves, it's not mentioned in Bilbo's tale because those two are in completely different worlds. So I wanted to try the mistake episode for the first four and see how well you guys enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed this mistake in episode, please let me know either through messaging our Facebook page or emailing me at podcastsongermany at gmail.com. If I get a sense that a majority of you have enjoyed doing this mistake in episode, we can pick it up again. But I just wanted to try it out for the first four episodes, see how everyone thought about it. So, for this episode, there's not a mistake that I plan for. That doesn't mean there's not going to be mistakes. There's always going to be mistakes. I'm human. It's going to happen. So, feel free to try to find them. Alright, so now we can actually get to today's subject. Because Halloween is tomorrow, I thought we could talk about the creeps and the crawlies of the early Germans. Or at least what we would think would be creepy. And the one thing I thought that you guys would love... That fits in this Halloween time is human sacrifice. And let me tell you, the Germans love their human sacrifice. Now, one of the things that is highly frowned upon in modern religions is human sacrifice. I mean, you're either killing your own followers, which is not good for business, or you're killing outsiders, which is eventually going to bring the larger outsider world against you to shut you down. Because they don't want you killing people. Also, nowadays we consider it murder rather than religious expression. And it's a massive no-no. But in older times, human sacrifice was a part of religious practices. 
The Aztecs practiced it in Central America when the Spanish came. Carthaginians practice it a lot. We used to have issues trusting the Romans because they kept harping on the Carthaginians about doing this human sacrifice. And, well, the Romans and the Carthaginians hated each other, so we weren't sure whether or not that was 100% true. But then we found a pit filled with human bones. And, okay, yeah, it seems like the Romans were right. They were practicing human sacrifice. The Druids get picked on by the Romans for also human sacrifice, but we don't have as much evidence in that matter. For the Germans, we do. There's no doubt about it. For Germany, there is human sacrifice. So don't worry, guys. There's no maybe, maybe not. There's a definite human sacrifice. Some of our biggest evidence actually doesn't come from the written source, which we'll talk about in a bit, but actually comes from the bodies themselves. I'm not talking about skeletons. I'm talking about actual bodies, skin, hair, and flesh. The bodies have survived for over 1,800 years so that we can actually see them today. And they don't look like they've been in water for 1,800 years. They don't look like they've been buried recently, but you can still see amazing details. Now, you're probably wondering how have these bodies survived for 1,800 years? Because as you know, most things won't last that long. Well, there are these things called peat bogs that are spread throughout northern Europe, and actually in Britain itself, that could only come from an ancient historian's and archaeologist's dreams. Because wood, fur, hair, meat, anything that should be destroyed due to its nature, especially in a short time, has survived in these bogs. Bogs allow the material to escape the ravages of time and can be found in the best of conditions by us. Why were they in bogs? Well, I have this theory. Now, it's unproven. You see, I think a historian or an archaeologist has gone back in time, probably from the future because we don't have that technology yet, but still, has gone back into time and has convinced the northern people to throw things into the peat bogs to honor their gods. Because these peat bogs is where we get so many amazing things. I would not put it past anyone to go back in time and tell them to do this. Because not only have we found bodies in decent condition with clothing, with a horse collar, with blindfolds, but we have found ships. Ships! that were thrown into the bogs and sunk with weapons, with shields, with material that we would find in a Germanic village. You know, the stuff that we love to study today about the ancient Germans? Yeah, that is stuff that was thrown onto these ships and sunk. I can see the wheels turning in your head. You agree with my theory. Some historian or archaeologist has gone back in time and has told these early Germans to dump stuff into the bog. I can just see it now tribesmen staring confusingly at the stranger who's telling them that throwing these perfectly good ships into a bog is for the best. Oh, and don't just throw one in there. Go ahead and throw three in there. One's not going to be enough to please your gods, but three? Mmm, they're going to love that. Unfortunately, most historians and archaeologists don't follow my idea of a back-to-the-future sort of historian coming in and messing things up. Instead, they believe that the bogs were just part of early German religion. 
the Germans saw the bogs as an entrance into their god's world and as a way of communicating with their gods. Whatever they believed, whether or not they were being told to do this by a man from the future or if their priest just said it was a really good idea in order to talk to their gods, we have found a lot of amazing stuff in these peat bogs. And today, we're actually going to be talking about four amazing bodies that we've found in these peat bogs. And as we're talking about them, I want you to pay attention to some of the details that we have been able to pull away from them. Stuff that we should not be able to pull away without any historical record because it should have deteriorated by now. So the four bodies that we're talking about can be found in Denmark. So not modern Germany, but part of the early German culture. They've been found at Dotgen. Grabale, and Windeby. I'm really sorry about those pronunciations. Dotgen could be a judicial as well as religious, as he was stabbed in the heart. That's how we found his body. He was killed by being stabbed in the heart. Apparently this wasn't enough for him, though. I'm guessing zombie, because they removed his head next. And then to be on the safe side, they went ahead and removed his skin as well. So... Stabbed in the heart, head removed, no more skin. Finally, because apparently this still wasn't enough to make sure this guy was down, they put branches on top of him with rocks, which would make him drown. This was one tough dude. Either that or they really hated him. Now, I think this was done just a tad bit overkill. But apparently all this had to be done in order to keep the man in the bog. We don't know why. Could have been a criminal. It could have been just a really, really bloodthirsty god. We don't know. The two at Windeby also seem to be possible for judicial punishment as well as religious sacrifice. The first body is that of a 15-year-old girl. She had no clothes on her when she was thrown into the bog, but she had an ox hide collar around her throat and she had blindfolds put on her. Both of these have survived, by the way. She was drowned with branches and stone on top of her. The other body belonged to a man and he had a branch of hazel wrapped around his neck, which would have been used to throttle him. And then he was held down in the water by branches. You're kind of getting a theme right now, I bet. Being held down by branches is a part of being dumped into these bogs. The final body we're talking about is Grabala. And this seems much more like a religious sacrifice than the judicial punishment of the other three. First of all, he had seeds in his stomach. And many of the bodies that we have found that aren't judicial, or at least what we think isn't judicial, contained seeds in their stomach from their last meal. So no meats, no wine, nothing but grains. He then had his throat slit, which eh, seems more nice, more quick probably, than all the others, especially the first guy, Mr. Overkill. Now, for all of these, we can tell that they actually weren't into hard labor. We can tell from their muscle density, these guys didn't do hard labor. Which is weird. You would think, being from early Germany, they would probably have to be farmers or slaves or soldiers, but they're not. 
That can mean that they were noble. It can mean they were priests. Or for some reason, they were just not able to be part of the labor force. Maybe they weren't mentally capable. Maybe they had some crippling physical issue. We don't know. The finding of the gruel, as I mentioned earlier, points to a ritual meal, probably. Or it could be a hastened meal. Because as we've talked about, there's cattle, there's sheep, there's a bunch of other meats, there's a bunch of other food that the Germans have available to them that they could eat. But this guy only had grains in his stomach, so who knows? But remember what I said about archaeology? One of its biggest weaknesses is religion. Religion is extremely difficult to figure out just based on findings. Maybe Windeby and Datgen's victims, well, they belong to an extreme religious cult that took their human sacrifice serious. Maybe the guy at Datgen was really a monster. We just can't tell without someone writing it down. It's impossible. So, do we have written word about human sacrifices? Why, yes. Yes, we do. One was Strabo, who discussed a tribe called Simbri. And again, I apologize if I butchered those pronunciations. It is my biggest weakness. So if I mess one up, send me an email, berate me. I'll get it eventually, I promise. Anyway, Strabo discusses how the priestess watched the sacrifice and supervised the sacrifice of selected prisoners over a great bronze cauldron and had the prisoners of war's throats cut while the Romans are watching across the way. Orosius also talks about the Sembri's love of human sacrifice. As he mentions, quote, The breastplates of men were cut to pieces, horse gear smashed, and the animals drowned in whirlpools. The men were hanged from trees with nooses around their necks. End quote. The sacrifice of armor and equipment to the gods is actually talked about a lot in the Roman age, and we will see it through the rise of Scandinavia and their raiders called the Vikings. The execution of prisoners of war and the destruction of the material gained in battles played an important part in human sacrifice and Germanic religions. It makes sense. War is a very dangerous political choice, because once you start a war, you either win and achieve your objectives or you lose it all. So for the Germans, practicing human sacrifice after a victory was a way of honoring the gods, showing them the respect that you owed them. Because without them, there was no way you were going to win the battle. And if you decided that you didn't need to honor the gods, then that could backfire the next time you went to war. So it was important after the battle to sacrifice prisoners of war, to sacrifice weapons, and armor captured off of enemy troops to sacrifice their animals to show that you know where your victory came from. Now, war is not the only time that human sacrifice is mentioned. For the tribes of Jutland, there was a goddess named Nerthus who would visit the world once a year and a wagon that was only allowed to be touched by her priests. Every year, she would be taken to her sanctuary and a sacred grove on an island within a lake and have her image and wagon ritually washed by slaves. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're going, but Jacob, you just said that the priests are the only ones who can touch 
the altar who can touch her wagon that can touch her. How are these slaves being able to... T- oh. Oh, he, they kill him, don't they? And you're right. Yes, they do kill them. The slaves are immediately drowned after finishing their cleaning. That job sucks. Think about it. You're taking a slaves. You don't know what to expect. You're told to wash down this image and this wagon. You do as you're told because you don't want to get on their bad side. And oh, well, you touched it. You're dead. And it was part of the ritual. It was put into the ritual that slaves are to clean it and then to be killed inside the lake. So it really sucked to be those slaves. So from our stories, it looks like being slaves and prisoners of wars is a bad idea if you're dealing with the Germans, right? I mean, if you're captured by the Germans, there's a good chance you're going to be sacrificed as an offering to their gods for giving victory over you. And if you're a slave, then you have no idea what you could be getting into. You could accidentally join Nerissus's cult as a slave and think that you could get out by helping out their god, and no, you get executed. Which I guess technically you're getting out of being a slave, but not the way you were wanting. But they're not the only ones who are getting affected by this ritual sacrifice. Remember those four bodies we talked about earlier in the episode? Well, as I told you, they weren't in any condition that showed that they had been used to hard labor in their life. Now, for soldiers and for slaves, you would expect high muscle tone. You would expect strong bodies. They're used to working. They're used to fighting. But these bodies we found in the bogs, they're more examples of nobles and priests, those who aren't using their bodies as much as their minds or relying on others to do work for them. So there's a chance that these bodies that we found are nobles. Or they could have been priests who were chosen by lot. There's another thing too. It's not just these bodies that we have evidence that the nobles are being picked for sacrifice. We actually have evidence showing that if a war didn't go too well, the nobles or the kings, well, they'd be sacrificed to the gods because clearly they're not really needed right now on earth. They've shown that they can't do their job. It's very common, especially when we get to the post-Roman age, that we see a lot of leaders with the surname of Woden, of Odin. They're the grandson of Odin. They are somehow related to the gods. It's a very common thing to do for these leaders to claim because it gives them a legitimacy. Odin apparently was a very popular guy with the ladies because he has a lot of sons. We have grandsons, so forth. Well, if this leader who claims to be a son or grandson of Woden does pretty bad, they typically disappear from the record, or we're told that they are sacrificed. And if they disappear from the record, there's a good chance that they were sacrificed as well. Because, clearly, if you're the son of Woden and you lost this battle, then you need to go back to Woden and learn some more. So we're going to help you get back there real quick with a quick sacrifice. It's, it's no bother for us. So by going to war, by having a bad harvest, by being a lousy people person, these leaders could end up being sacrificial lambs for their tribes 
Because, hey, if you're related to God, maybe you should go see him again. Because you're clearly not doing your job right now. This could help explain why many leaders of the Germanic tribes during the Roman age will quickly switch over to being Christians. I mean, think about it. Would you rather stay with the old gods, who you could be sacrificed to if you didn't get as much grain as you were wanting? Or would you rather go with the Christian god, who A, is from a lot of rich people, and B, well, if there's a bad harvest, you're supposed to forgive, you're not supposed to execute. Sounds like a pretty good idea to me. So, let's let's take a second and let's look at the society so far. If you're a prisoner of war, you got a good chance of being sacrificed to the gods for honor and victory. Don't really want to be a prisoner of war. If you're a slave, there's a chance that you could end up in a religious cult that has all their slaves executed. Don't really want to be a slave. What about the nobles again? If you're not doing your job well enough, or if something happens that clearly shows the gods aren't happy, you're going to be sacrificed. And if you're a priest, we're not 100% sure, but those bodies we've found in the bog, they could have been priests. So that means you could be sacrificed. Who does that leave? The common folk. And we're not 100% sure whether or not they're going to be selected for human sacrifice. They could, but we're not sure. We have no way of knowing. Again, this goes back to the issue that with religion, you need things written down. You have to explain to people the step-by-step process. We just don't have that. So human sacrifice, it affects all parts of Germanic society. It makes any position sound very tenuous, with only the common people being a safe maybe while the nobles and the priests and the slaves and the prisoner wars are pushing much more to, yes, human sacrificed. So how many of you want to go live in the early German society, knowing that human sacrifice is hanging over your head? How many of you want to go back there and be kings, knowing that anything could be blamed on you? But we still don't know everything about human sacrifice and the German religion and society. There's a lot of things we won't find out about these three things. It's because it's not written down for us. However, there's still evidence out there that we could find. Those peat bogs that we've talked about throughout this episode, they could still contain material that could help explain these early Germans to us. So, if you happen to go to Northern Europe sometime, and you get in to swim in one of the beautiful lakes, or curious and you want to try out one of these peat bogs that I've been talking about, just think, you may not be alone. And in fact, while you're in the water, if you feel something brush up or grab your ankle, you may have just found out why the one guy we've been talking about had to have his head removed and his skin removed and then drowned. And just found yourself a new friend. Happy Halloween.